Hello, my name is Nate, and I'm a youth pastor from the Detroit area, and you're listening to the On Track Devotions Pulse podcast. If you're listening, you've somehow found our app or our podcast, and we are glad that you're here. Each week, we take user-submitted questions and answer them in various formats, including this micro-podcast format. So if listening uh, to biblical things is the way you want to go, you found the right place. A couple weeks ago, we answered the question, what does it mean? What's repentance? Why do I need to keep repenting if I'm just going to keep on sinning? And now we're going to enter into a series, a multiple-part series on the gospel. So we're going to answer the question, what is the gospel? And to be honest, you know, this is going to take a couple weeks, and my hope for you is that you'd come out on the other side with a deeper understanding of who God is and what he did for you. If you're not a Christian, my prayer is that after this you would accept Christ and, uh, and place your faith and hope in him. So the short answer to the question, uh, you know, what is the gospel? The gospel is the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ. And so Christians believe Jesus, being God, died, he was buried, and rose again as a sacrifice for our sin. And if by faith we confess and believe in Christ, we can be saved from sin and death. That's the short answer. And the long answer is is why we're going to do this series. So before we begin breaking down the gospel, I just want to create a uh, a mental set of flashcards that you can remember. And, And they are as follows. God created, man sinned, Jesus came, Jesus lived a sinless life because he is God. Jesus died as a sacrifice for sin. Jesus resurrected. Confess, repent, believe. By faith, we are saved. And you're going to hear me repeat this each week many, many times, and that's really done as a learning aid. This week, we're going to to study Genesis 1 and 2, and we're going to learn about the first flashcard, which is is God created. So here's some background info on Genesis. Uh, The book of Genesis is the first book of the Bible. It can be divided into two main sections. The first 11 chapters give kind of a primeval history of God and man, and they're basically an overview of history before Abraham. And chapters 12 through 50 focus on the line of Abraham and God's covenant with them. So it's kind of two different parts. The first part covers a whole bunch of years. The second part also covers a lot of years, but it's a little more uh, in-depth with the patriarchs, the, the, the early fathers of the people of Israel. The word generous means beginning, sorry, the word genesis Generous, the word generous means you're, you're nice with the things you have. Uh, the word genesis, however, means beginnings, and thus everything that you read is part of a beginning, the beginning of creation, of man, uh, the beginning of sin, and the beginning of the covenants. So as you read Genesis, try and keep in mind that you are reading the beginnings. Uh, we don't actually know for sure who wrote the book of Genesis, but church tradition holds that it's Moses, and there's a pretty good chance it was him. Uh, but whoever wrote it, whoever God led to write Genesis, carefully and beautifully lays out God's design and intent to fellowship with man in the in the first two chapters, which is what we're going to look at today. So take a moment, pause a podcast, or if you don't have time to pause, keep listening, but read later, Genesis chapter 1 and 2 on your own. After you've done that, hit play, and we're going to dive right in. All right, our observations. Here's some quick observations we're going to make in this passage. The first is that we see in the beginning there was nothing but God. And we see that the source of all nature, all, all creation, everything is created by God. It's, imp- it's apparent that God took time and care to create, including the creation of a time frame called a day. Part of creation was creating time. 
Everything that God creates is good. We see that God created everything with the ability to grow, to multiply, uh, and and develop. So you see language in the first uh, chapters such as yielding seed, bearing fruit, being uh, fruitful, multiply. So creation was, was created with age, with the ability to reproduce. God created everything according to its kind, meaning he created with order and purpose. And verse 26, we see God created man in his image, and we're going to dive heavily into that here in a bit. God created man and a woman from the man, and God told the man and woman to subdue and have dominion over his creation. As you jump into chapter 2, we get another detailed description of the creation of man and woman. God gave man work to do. God kept one thing for himself, and we'll focus on this next week, but he kept the tree of the knowledge of good and evil for himself. Everything else mankind could use. All of the garden was, was Adam and Eve's to use, except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In chapter 2, verse 20, you see that Adam needed a helpmate, and God created Eve. And finally, we see that Adam and Eve were naked and unashamed. And, and you can ask the question, why would God put that in there? And we're going to look at that uh, a little bit today, but more next week. So what does all this mean? Well, first of all, if God created everything, that means he had to exist before everything. So God is eternal and infinite. Uh, God is the creator of all things, and what he created was perfect. That's why he called it good. There's no hint of sin. There's no corruption. There's no degradation in what he created. Adam and Eve were naked and without shame. And shame, of course, is indicative of something being wrong. You can only be ashamed if something is wrong. And because there was nothing wrong, because there was no sin, they had no negative consequential implications. Being naked had no uh, no negative consequential implications. For the purposes of our, our gospel study today, we're going to focus on man being made in God's image. So what does this mean? I mean, isn't God a spirit? How, how, how can we look like him? How can we be made in his image? Well, the idea of man being made in God's image shows up in Genesis 1, 26 and 27, Genesis chapter 5, verses 1 and 3, Genesis chapter 9, verse 6, 1 Corinthians eleven seven, Colossians 3, verse 10, and James 3, verse 9. And, and we could pull it from other places in Scripture. That's just a few. So there's two Hebrew words that are used interchangeably. So the first uh, is the word likeness, and the other is image, and they're used in the same way. So, so what does it mean? Well, according to Dr. McCune, Roland McCune, the image of God and man means that man replicates the infinite God on a finite level. In other words, in mankind's personality, spirituality, and morality, mankind reflects God in a limited way. So this means that a mankind has a, we have a personality, right? We have an intellect, we have a will, we have a spirit, and we have the ability to make choices based on a knowledge of right and wrong. I mean, if you think about it, God couldn't tell Adam and Eve, don't eat it of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil unless they had the ability to, to make moral choices. So being made in God's image means that mankind is different from the rest of creation and that he was given the ability and task of entering into a covenantal relationship with God. Ultimately, this results in the new covenant, which we're going to address far later in this series. So mankind has the ability to be in a relationship with God and that separates us from the rest of creation, right? An animal can't make moral choices. An animal reacts off of the instinct that God gave it, whereas mankind has the ability to think, feel, do. They have an intellect, a will, a spirit, and a moral understanding of right and wrong. So what, so what does this mean? I mean, why does that matter to us today? Because we know the world is messed up. This obviously, we don't live in the Garden of Eden. We don't live in the time of Adam and Eve. So what does this mean to us? Well, first of all, we worship a God that is not distant from us. 
and that has been since the beginning. Rather, God is intimately involved with what he created, and I'm very thankful for this. I wouldn't desire to worship a God that isn't in control and that isn't relational. Even in our sin, God has, if you're a Christian, chosen to place Jesus's righteousness on us and place our sin on Christ. And so we have the ability to be in a relationship with God, and he's in control of that. And and being made in God's image means that we can be thankful that we've been given a conscience. Romans 1 says, you know, even in nature, we see that there's a God. We know there's a conscience. And, and so I know that I can make moral choices that honor God, and, and I'm humbled by that, and, and you can be humbled by that too. Our conscience is a wonderful tool that is God-given, and that's because we're made in his image. It also means that as a Christian, I must view people through this lens. So every person I will ever meet is made in the image of God. And yes, they are flawed. People can be tedious. People can be annoying. People can be angering or scary. And we're going to talk about why that is next week. But every person you will ever meet or ever hear of is made in God's image. And so that means I have the responsibility to treat every person with the same dignity and respect I would hope to be treated with. And so I have a couple ideas for you to put into practice this week. The first is I want you to picture how you talked about and viewed people who voted differently than you in the last election. Did you speak about them through an image of God lens? And I can tell you right now, I am guilty of failing at this multiple times And when I think about it, even when I think about how I treated a person in a drive-thru or in a store, or, or, you know, did I jump into a parking spot for someone first? How did I exude selfishness in some way towards another person? That doesn't treat them with dignity and respect. And and if I believe and, and truly trust that God has made every person in his image, it changes the way I treat people. Uh, how about yourself? You know, how do you treat yourself? And I'm not telling you to be arrogant and prideful here. What I'm saying is, do you remember that God created you in his image? And a way to think about this is to write down five character traits in you that reflect who God is. And you may say, I don't, I can't do that. I, I'm not like God in any way. Well, you're made in God's image and there's certain things that God has given you and placed in you that reflect who he is, that reflect his character in a limited way, but it, they still do reflect it. Uh, so if I were to think about my own life, I, uh, I mean, I'm a type A personality and, and I find joy in being around people. God found joy and found pleasure in walking with Adam and Eve in the garden. He found joy in his creation. And I'm not saying I'm God, but I'm saying there is a certain part of me that reflects who God is in a limited way. Uh, maybe, maybe in another sense, you could just go out and appreciate creation. You could go and take a walk outside, look at the trees, look at the animals around you. No, notice the order that you see in creation. Observe the ever-constant seasons, or, or if you're in a place like I am in Michigan, when it snows, and I don't really like snow or cold, and, and so I live in Michigan, um, think about, I thought about this the other day, it was snowing, and it was kind of coming down in, in like single flakes on my truck as I was getting ready to drive, and I could see the individual snowflakes, and I was reminded that every single snow, snowflake is different. I mean, think about a God who, who has uh, the power to do that. Who, who, is, who is the God that we worship that, that creates and allows for a, a different snowflake every single time it snows? That's a humbling thing to think about, and it's also beautiful. 
you can also observe the creativity of man. If, if man is made in God's image, then mankind can be creative. So perhaps, I mean, I live near Detroit. There's some really neat architecture that I can walk around and appreciate. Or if you're out in farm country, you can appreciate the organization of a nice plowed field or planted field. You can see the order around you in how mankind creates and how we see creation, the animal world and the plant world. All of this is a gift from God. And so as we think about the gospel, we can start with looking at at, at good areas that still exist, although everything's corrupted by sin, we can still see the beauty of God's creation, and we can be humbled by that and be thankful for it. God created. That's the very first flashcard of the gospel. God created. And, and I hope it's an encouragement to you to know that God created with the intent of the universe being, in his own words, good. So yes, while we would look around and see that there's problems, we'll address those next week, God created with the intent that the universe would be good. And so as we address the problem of sin, just remember there must be something better because God desires to have a good relationship with that which he created. So for now, take a week and appreciate God's design and intent for mankind. God created, man sinned, Jesus came. Jesus lived a sinless life because he's God. Jesus died as a sacrifice for sin. Jesus resurrected. Confess, repent, believe, by faith we're saved. This podcast was written and recorded by me, Nate King. The editing and music is provided by Evan Braddock. All source material is provided in our transcripts online. From all of us at the On Track Devotions, uh, this has been the Pulse Podcast. Be well.